Good morning and welcome to Let's Talk. Thank you for joining us for this half hour. Now, let's talk. Welcome to the program, listeners. Tyler Friel with you on WISR, 680 AM, 107.5 FM. This is Let's Talk, our time where we sit down and chat with local businesses, organizations, and nonprofits about the latest they have happening. And today, we welcome in our guest from Family Pathways. Our guest is Leah Kerverst. He is, she is a therapist with Outpatient Mental Health Services. Leah, as always, we appreciate you stopping by, and welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So we're going to get into a little bit of back to school talk today, and uh, we're going to be talking about how we can get our children ready for uh, the uh, pending weeks uh, in which they will be going back to school. But of, of course, we're around for a half hour here on the show. And if you can stick around for the full half hour, we do have you covered. I always like to remind you that you can listen to us online at WISR680.com. And if you're looking for a Let's Talk program that you may have missed, you can go to the programs page and look for Let's Talk. And that's where you can find today's conversations and previous conversations that we've had here on the Let's Talk show. And we've been mentioning that Let's Talk is now on Spotify. All you have to do is search for WISR Let's Talk, and that's where you can find the list of all of our previous programs. So with that out of the way, again, Leah Kerverst, uh, she is our guest today, Family Pathways. Before we dive into our topic about getting back to school, can you describe a little bit about what Family Pathways does? Sure. So we're a local agency here um, that we serve all different populations. We have an outpatient mental health department. That's the department that I work in. We provide individual family services as well as medication management. We also have a foster care permanency and placement department um, doing all kinds of different things with families who might have children in care, visitations. Um, we also are doing um, uh, some geriatric work, working with older adults um, through our PATH program where we go into the home or into the facilities that they might be residing in and we visit with them and do therapy services there as well. Um, so it's a one-stop shop of all <laughs> kinds of different things there. And your facility is uh, kind of on the south side of Butler. It's a really nice facility. Uh, can you let people know where you guys are exactly located at? Sure. So we're at 100 Brew Avenue um, just across the bridge there. Mm -hmm. And again uh, the new uh, addition, I say new it's been there for a while now, but uh, is gorgeous. If you haven't checked it out, please do so. So again, Family Pathways, our guest today. So we're talking uh, some back to school, and uh, you and I were chatting before we hopped on air. Everyone's always a little anxious this time. Me, not so much. I don't have kids. I don't have to worry about going back to school. So that's good. That's finally out. But anybody that does have kids, anybody that knows kids, anybody that is a kid knows when you flip the calendar to August, you start getting that back to school all right, maybe you're excited, maybe you're a little worried, you don't want summer to end, whatever it may be. But there's also some challenges that we uh, that you uh, inherently see when kids are getting ready to go back to school. And we're talking about those with mental health challenges. What do you see? What do you find this time of year whenever kids are getting ready to go back to school? Sure. So uh, definitely some mixed reviews as far as going back <laughs> to school. I think if you ask different people in their family systems, some kids are super excited to go back, looking forward to seeing their friends doing activities again some kids it's like doom and gloom it's the big elephant in the room they don't want to talk about same thing with parents some are really excited ready for kids to go back mm -hmm. to school back into the routine of things some are a little anxious about it as well so it's definitely mixed reviews and I think this is a really important time for um, our kids and our families because anytime we have a period of adjustment or transition even if it's back to a place that we know you know school that they've gone to in the past it comes with challenges 
challenges in that way. They have to learn to adapt and readapt in some ways to um, new routines, new expectations put on them. It can be a time of a lot of stress and anxiety. And, and oftentimes what we see at our agency is um, uh, a little bit more difficulty this time of year as people are starting to you know, transition back and really think ahead to the coming weeks because I know most kids in this area are going back to school in about two, maybe three weeks. Yeah. So it's coming up. It's sooner rather than later. Right. Uh, and you know, again, that's always the August you know, feeling that I got as a kid, like, all right, well, the summer's winding down. I got to get ready to go back to school. But you mentioned, you know, there are kids, you know, I've been going to this school for the last four years. I've been, I, I know what I know about this, but there's got to be a fear of the unknown. I don't know what fourth grade's going to be like. I don't know what to expect in the day-to-day -day routine, what new challenges await uh, these kids. How do you, you know, whenever you see children express concerns about those unknown areas of school, what do you see in them? What are they saying to you uh, about situations like that? Yeah, so um, a couple of things to touch on. Um, I think anxiety is a big topic of discussion, um, and I think we understand anxiety a lot more now, but anxiety tends to get a bad rep, but not all anxiety is bad anxiety. Um, to a degree, anxiety is very normal. Um, it's a normal response to something we don't know, something we're afraid of. Um, and I think the piece that we really focus on is when that anxiety sort of tips the scales and becomes really worrisome. It's impacting um, kids' abilities to function, maybe how they feel. We see a shift in how how they're acting, behaving. Um, so those are all different indicators that might pop up. Sometimes we see changes in um, how they're interacting with others. Maybe they don't want to interact with others as much. They're withdrawing, isolating. Um, sometimes they're a little bit more irritable. We see maybe more outbursts or um, changes in eating habits, loss of weight, uh, difficulty with sleep. Anything that's in our routine maybe might uh, have some hiccups that could be related to anxiety. I think for a lot of kids as well, especially if they have difficulty um, with like a learning disorder or academic challenges. I think that plays a really big role right now in sort of worrying about, oh, what to expect. You know, I really struggled in science last year. Mm -hmm. what, what's this year going to be like? I heard this teacher's really tough. You know, there's all those different things that play in the background as we start to get ready to start back at school. And again, yeah, those are the unknown. We know maybe where we're going. We know some of our friends are going to be there, but there's the unknowns and that can make us anxious. But also one of the big transitions, I think, and anecdotally hearing from teachers is that you're trying to take summertime children and get them back into the structure of a school day these two things couldn't be more further apart could they very very fair and i think everybody can kind of appreciate you know there's a beauty to summertime where there's a little bit looser um, expectations there's a beauty in that and i think in some ways um, it can be a catch-22 come time when school starts because maybe uh, we haven't been on the same sleep schedule you know we're not um, in a structured activity you know our schedule's sort of all over the place and so when it comes time to start back at school it's sort of like it can be a rude awakening in many mm -hmm. ways and so a piece of advice that we we tend to recommend to a lot of our children and to a lot of our families is um, now is a really good time to start sort of practicing or prepping to get back into that groove because yeah. I, I keep joking with a lot of my clients um, 
future you is going to be thanking you for, <laughs> you know, doing these things now so that it's not such a 180 from the way that things have been doing, how you've been doing in the summertime. How important is it for students to have structure, whether it be inside the classroom or whether it be at home, as you mentioned, in this run up to getting ready for school? How important is it to follow routine and follow structure? Tyler, I think that's a really important question and it's a great one because I think so many people thrive with structure and routine as maybe a little uh, boring as that might sound you know when we have a clear expectation of what's coming up you know knowing what we have on our day-to-day -day, it helps us prepare a little better it makes it feel a little less scary that unknown factor that we kind of touched on earlier isn't as parents mm -hmm. and so I think having structure and routine consistency those are all really important things to keeping anxiety and worry at bay and also just um, having a good rhythm and routine as the day-to-day -day goes on well you mentioned you know trying to maybe implement some of that in this transition phase to getting the school year started but maybe you know retroactively speaking again it's tough to implement policies in june and july whenever they're done you know as parents are maybe going all right well how do i handle the summer better for my children are there certain things and tactics that they can do to keep that structure so the school year again isn't a big root awakening for children um, I would say one of the big pieces that I think is always helpful is having some type of structured activity in place um, it doesn't have to be something incredibly formal like um, you know a 12-week summer camp yeah. program it doesn't have to be something so um, intense like that but even to just have some activities lined up opportunities that they can socialize you know I think that's another piece um, that a lot of kids feel during the summer times is maybe a little bit of sense of disconnection from their peers because they're not necessarily seeing them day in and day out. So having those opportunities to connect with other people their age, maybe um, cultivating a hobby and activity and interest, those are all things that help them stay active, involved, um, keeps them you know, in some level of routine and consistency. So I would recommend you know, whatever your child's interests are, maybe finding something that might help them stay you know active in something yeah again our guest leah curvor she is with um, uh, family pathways a therapist and outpatient mental health services uh you know speaking of anxiety i don't think it's necessarily always the case for the children but when parents have their kid going to school for the first time whether it be kindergarten or preschool when you're talking to to parents about this you know what do you see from their anxiety level and what would you tell them uh that there are some ways that they can be reassured that this is going to be in maybe not an easy transition, but to help ensure that transition for them and their child. Um, so I think for a lot of families, anxiety is there, there's certainly a hereditary component there. Mm. Um, you know, I think it also is, is one of those emotional states that uh, we sort of rub off of one another. And so when one person is anxious in a family, it tends to um, kind of spread a little bit. And so it's important, I think, for parents to um, be able to learn how to manage their own anxieties, be able to model how to manage anxiety in a healthy way for their kids. Um, those are all really important things. I think also tap, you know, in the same way that we recommend for kids having, you know, support systems in place, routines, um, clear expectations, I'd say the same recommendation goes for parents as well tap into your support systems whether that means um, connecting with your child's teachers um, connecting with supports at the school um, after school 
activities like coaches, things like that, they all have good insights on how your child is doing and, mm -hmm. you know, can offer support to you in those ways. I also think as well, um, if there's any concerns that you have about how your child's doing, um, if you're worried about their emotional uh, or mental health needs that might be coming up, talk to their teacher, um, talk to a therapist, you know, really see if some of these things that are coming up are, um, you know, on brand or sort of age appropriate or normal to mm -hmm. a degree, or if there's maybe room for some, you know, services or additional supports that might be indicated there. So, um, you know, if there's ever a question about uh, how we're doing, I think it's always important to reach out to um, somebody for additional insights and any, um, you know, advice that we can share, we'd be more than happy to. I don't want to say it's become cliche by any measures but we hear it more and more often and we like to talk to people who are involved in it because the mental health of children that conversation i really think has been amplified over the last three years and we hear it time and time again and i'm not saying that we kind of shove it aside but whenever you hear it so many times you sometimes just i don't want to say ignore it what have you seen from kids and their mental health from pre-pandemic days to where we are today has there been improvement is it more amplified essentially if you could lay out what you've seen here over the last couple of years sure um i think uh, the common consensus at least at our agency and i think a lot of uh, mental health professionals share this perspective covid really did a number i think on on all of us um and even though we're um, out of the pandemic days, I think that trickle effect really impacted people and still sort of lingers in many ways. Um, you know, there was so much adjustment with very little time to prepare that a lot of our school age kids experienced you know it's interesting when i talk with a lot of my school age clients they talk about things like oh yeah that was you know the virtual year that was the covid year those mm -hmm. things sort of stick with them and they remember how it made them feel um so i certainly think we see an increase since the pandemic um but also to because I think we're having more open discussion about our own mental health and what our needs are. And I think that's a really good thing. So I think we're hearing more about it because perhaps we're having more challenges, but also because we're, we're talking more openly about things and we're not um, sort of keeping things hidden away or uh, you know keeping things silent from what's really bothering us. So I think that's a, a healthy thing. And you know we see a lot more um, depressive symptoms coming up. I think also to you know, another topic that comes up often is um, the influence of social media and mm -hmm. comparisons with um, other people their age or otherwise. You know, there's a lot of different factors that are uh, playing a role in how kids are learning to, um, you know, view themselves, learning to adapt to different things. So, uh, you know, it's hard to say, but I think as a general rule of thumb, we've seen quite an increase in um, more people seeking services. For a lot of kids, they may not be open about their mental health needs uh, as much as parents and guardians and uh caretakers would like them to be you mentioned it a little bit but what are things as the school year begins where indicators basically where we may see uh, my child may need uh, I may need to look into this a little bit more about their mental health sure um, so you know uh we talk with parents oftentimes, you know, they're the experts on their own children. Um, when they notice any changes that doesn't 
seem like their kiddo, that should kind of raise a red flag. You know, things that we would keep an eye out for is, you know, are they endorsing a lot of sadness? Is there sort of a persistent feeling of sadness or hopelessness? Um, are they talking about, um, you know, self-harm or suicide, death? Are they talking about hurting themselves, hurting others? Um, are they, you know, uh, withdrawing, isolating is kind of a big thing that we see a lot of times. Um, you know, we have sort of a, a phrase where, um, you know, we don't want to suffer in silence and um, the secrets that we keep keep us sick a lot of times. So when we're not talking about things and we're bottling things up, I think that's something to, to really get in tune with. Sometimes we'll see uh, big emotions, big reactions. We see kind of constriction or big emotions. Again, keeping an eye out for how they function with sleep, appetite, um, if they're having difficulty concentrating, focusing, if they're really avoiding school or missing a lot of school. Those should all be kind of indicators, hey, maybe something's going on and we need to, we need to check things out. For the social interaction, again, going back to COVID, it was something that was lost for a lot of kids. What would you say about the importance of your child being socially interactive with others and maybe the importance of participating, and we mentioned a little bit for the summertime, but during the school year, participation in extracurricular activities? How can those benefit the child in the long run? That's a great question. Um, so I think for kids, for adults, you know, one of the most powerful, important things we can do to support our own mental health is um, to have a support system and know that we're not alone in this. I think one of the worst and hardest feelings that any person can feel is feeling like, um, you know, things are really hard and no one can understand what they're going through or that they don't have a lifeline to reach out to. That's why those activities where they can socialize and be engaged with other peers is really important because it gives that opportunity opportunity to say, hey, you're not alone in this. You know, a lot of these things, you know, I've been through or they've been through. Um, and it can really be empowering to know that uh, other people share similar experiences mm. and that it's okay to talk about it. Same thing for parents as well. I think the more that we're able to be open about the things that bother us, reach out to our support systems, the better off we are for it. As you're seeing some of these indicators with your child or with a child that you know, if you are concerned about someone's mental health, what are the next steps that, that folks should do? Sure. So next steps would be, um, I would call, um, you know, any local mental health uh, provider to ask for an assessment or an evaluation. Um, what you could expect in that initial appointment would to, would be going through any uh, stressors that might be impacting you or your child or your family, any symptoms that you're seeing. So kind of back to those indicators we talked about before, those warning signs, you know, any symptoms that they're reporting that are causing um, disruption in how they function day to day or how they're doing in school. Um, and from there, that they that whoever does that evaluation can recommend what services would be appropriate. Um, you know, we do at Family Pathways, we do a lot of individual work as well as family work. Um, you know, we often view things as uh, when we have a child coming to us for services, you know, we're treating the whole family because we don't live uh, in isolation. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't live in bubbles. We're very much um, impacted by one another and our relationships with one another. Um, I know as far as family pathways goes, um, I also want to mention too, back to the peer support and engagement and activities. Yeah. Um, we are running two different support groups for school-aged children. One is called our adolescent uh, 
resiliency group. That's for children ages 9 to 12. Um, they meet Wednesdays from 4.30 to 5.30 p.m. at Family Pathways. Um, and then we have another one for teens. That's from 13 to 16. Um, and again, it's just an opportunity for uh, peers to connect, to um, be able to build up coping skills, learn about resiliency, um, and just know that they're, they're not alone in the struggles. So we offer those sort of um, opportunities as well for kids to connect and engage with peers of their age too. And if people are interested in this, do they just reach out to Family Pathways? Is it open to the public? How does that work? So um, at this time, um, we are asking that um, you would have to come in for an evaluation to determine if you'd be an appropriate fit for that service. Um, so you'd have to come through us. Um, it's not open to the public. Uh, we only have spots for about 10 kiddos. Um, so it, it opens on a rolling basis depending on the need and who's who's able to commit to the group at that time but we run on a 15-week curriculum and at that point um, if the kids have gotten what they need out of the group they'll they graduate and um, can continue those connections that they've made in group outside of family pathways so to circle back, yes, you would give us a call and schedule <laughs> an, an evaluation to determine if that would be a good fit for your child. Again, our guest, Leah Kervor, she is a therapist with Family Pathways, uh, discussing back to school and getting ready to go back to school. So uh, as you mentioned, we're just a couple weeks away from it. What do parents, what would be tips that you would give them to say, hey, if you can do these things, it would set the table better for the school year to begin? So I have kind of a, a top 10 list of tips that I think could be good pieces of advice for parents or caregivers to know about um, starting back to school and helping their child with anxiety or any um, type of difficulty with that adjustment. One of the first things is to just be aware that any transitional period, so name, naming here back to school, um, often comes with challenges. So being really in tune with your child's needs and knowing that any period of transition that is coming up is worthwhile to consider coping ahead. So what I mean by coping ahead is, hey, you know this thing is coming up, so what things can you be doing um, or what things can you put in place that are gonna help smooth that transition as much as possible? So just kind of thinking ahead and thinking about what needs will be at that time. Um, the next thing is staying educated, learning about um, mental health conditions, learning about your child's specific needs. If your child has a learning disorder, the more I think you know what you're working with, the better you're able to manage it and the, the more things you can try to support your child in that is you think is that something we've gotten better at as a society i like to think so you know i think um especially in the era of just uh internet and having access to a lot more information i think that there's a lot more discussion about these things and it's more accessible for people to tap into um resources that could be very educational and important for their understanding on their own mental health needs and whatever things might be coming up so i, I like to think I like to think we're on our way there. I'll transition you to number three uh, as you talk a little bit about anxiety here. Sure. So um, we talked a little bit about this earlier, but anxiety often tends to run in families. <clears throat> so um, 
parents, if you struggle with anxiety or if you're aware that you tend to run on the anxious side, um, be mindful that that rubs off on your children. So anxious parents tend to send anxious kids to school. Um, and so it's, it's equally important to model healthy management of anxiety for your kids, but to also practice self-care for yourself. Um, I think we hear the term self-care a lot of times. It's kind of a buzzword oftentimes, but self-care in essence is a practice and a prioritization of how we protect our well-being and our happiness. So it's sort of like a day-to-day practice, if you will. Mm. So that's another good way that parents can manage their own anxiety and model for their kids how to manage theirs as well. Um, The next point I'd say is um, uh, don't jump to conclusions. You know, a few uh, expressions we have uh, that we say a lot of times is uh, find out before you freak out. So, (laughs) you know, don't operate off of limited information. Really uh, try to understand what things might be going on. Again, um, tapping into the other support systems and resources that you have. Teachers are a tremendous resource to understanding how your kid's doing. Sometimes, um, for whatever reason, children might not not feel open or um, be able to identify and recognize their own struggles. Having insights from another adult who works with your child day in and day out can be really, really valuable information. I mean, think about teachers are with them 40 hours a week, right, you know, right. they've so, seen children a lot. <laughs> and they see them in all kind of different contexts too that maybe parents don't see them in the day in, mm-hmm. day out. So. Well, and that could be social interactions, that could be just in the classroom. There's there's a lot that happens at school, even outside of just lecture, you mm-hmm. know? Absolutely. So again, I think tap into your teachers as resources. They know um, a lot about how to support your child's learning needs. And again, they have good insights on how your kiddo is functioning in school and in the day-to-day environment. Um, I also think it's important that we normalize healthy anxiety, you know, kind of back to that starting point we talked about, that not all anxiety is bad anxiety. Anxiety serves a really important role in um, getting us to get going sometimes, um, accomplish our goals, um, you know, and being aware of when that anxiety becomes problematic if we're getting caught on ruminating thoughts, if we're having a hard time letting go of our worries, um, being able to recognize what's normal and what's not normal anxiety. So and just, could you give me a case of normal anxiety? Hmm, okay. So I would say, for example, to a degree, it is normal for almost any child to feel a little bit nervous about school starting. Mm-hmm. It's something new. It's something different. Now, if that kiddo would be um, so nervous about school starting and the night before um, they are sort of going through, what if this happens? What if that happens? Um, What if I forget my lunch? What if I, you know, if they're really hung up and even if you're reassuring as much as possible, um, if they're starting to like make themselves physically sick, they're getting headaches and stomach aches and things like that, that's, that's an indicator that that anxiety is is at an unhealthy point and becoming a struggle for them. So it's okay to have a little bit of nervousness, but when it's really um, negatively impacting how they're physically feeling as well as how they're emotionally feeling, that's when it's time to seek out additional supports and managing that anxiety. So whenever we're talking to our kids, you know, what would be the keys as you, hey, Johnny, how was your day at school? How, how do you figure out, how does that help us evaluate their mental health? Um, So I think in many ways, being able to have open dialogue with them about what's going on um, is a really helpful way to sort of uh, 
test the temperature, if you will, of what anxiety might be going mm-hmm. on. Um, I think it's important to have open discussions with our kids because again, like they might not always be aware that that's what anxiety feels like, that's what's happening. And so being able to you know, hear them out, hear what struggles they might be having, validate their feelings about it, and also share like, hey, I'm with you. I've been mm-hmm. there too, you know, I've, I've had that struggle or I know someone who had a, a, a difficulty in that area too. Here's what might be helpful to you. So I think um, operating from a place of um, understanding, empathy, acceptance, and um, offering reassurance that we'll figure it out together, I think are some of the best qualities a parent could provide in those moments. How about when we're trying to figure out especially if our child is struggling in a subject that they've never struggled in before they've been a you know great math student they're finally hitting this block how do we help them through that basically how do we figure out when our child is struggling what they're doing with their timing and and things like that Hmm. so i would say um really trying to um talk through the issue separating like here is a problem you're having versus this is your problem Mm -hmm. um you know being able to distinguish like okay this is a struggle you're having that doesn't define you as a person that's Mm -hmm. not a character trait or a flaw it's a it's a challenge you're having and every single person we're all human we all have things that we're going to struggle with so i think being able to normalize that um you know we're we are going to have some difficulties from time to time and also sort of giving them guidance on um, here's who you can talk to if you're having problems with this. You can talk to me, you can talk to this person, um, talk to your teacher. This is a way that you can ask for help. You know, Also um, encouraging them to, to know that uh, there's a strength and bravery in asking for help, right? Mm-hmm. We need to learn how to, to do those things and model that for our kids too. So I think those might be some pieces that you could uh, share with them and also, you know, really encouraging them to recognize that um, just because they have a problem doesn't mean that um, that's a that's a negative thing and everything is figure outable. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always something that we can do to to solve a problem. Sometimes we just have to think a little bit outside of the box with it. And then to circle back to the, the emphasis on, we talked about maybe building to a routine before the school year begins, but how important is a routine inside the school year? Oh, tremendously important, especially I think when it comes uh, to sleep. Sleep is like the best medicine for our bodies <laughs> and our minds. And so that tends to be a big um, challenge, especially for a lot of um, people who struggle with anxiety. Um, we often see disturbances in sleep, hard time falling asleep, staying asleep, um, feeling rested when we wake up. So I would recommend, you know, even during the school year, really emphasizing that routine, you know, thinking about how that's going to help you feel the next day. Um, you know, sticking with uh, a consistent routine is really, really helpful because even if our schedule shifts a little bit, sometimes we feel it, you know, a few days later and it can be a challenge in that way. So I would say as much as possible, routines are really, really important for having a sense of uh, stability and a sense of, um, you know, safety in many ways. Leah Kervorst, again, therapist with Family Pathways. One final time, how can people get in touch with Family Pathways? You can give us a call here at 724-284-9440, and we're located over at 100 Brew Avenue, just across the bridge. Leah, thanks so much as always. Thank you very much. If you missed any of our program, you can check it out online, WISR680.com is the place to take care of that. I'm Tyler Frill saying so long for now. You have been listening to Let's Talk.
The information and opinions shared on this program are solely those of our guests and do not necessarily represent those of WISR, the Butler County Radio Network, or its staff and employees.